Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books and Great Homeschool Conventions. Well, yeah, we're just doing a music <laughs> smorgasbord intro, I think. I mean, just on. whatever. I think we should throw all sorts of funny different tracks on there. Okay. But always funny. So we have to include <laughs> this explanation so that people know what they're getting. Sometimes. I don't want phonarnia ever. Except phonarnia. I just want irony and amusement. For the record, I have to say people may demonstrate their bad taste by saying they love phonarnia. But luckily, this isn't for them. <laughs> the music is for <laughs> me. <us. laughs> the music is for me. The one who never hears it. <laughs> uh, post-production. This isn't about any of you. This is all just therapeutic. You're welcome to listen in. In an extreme vote against Phonarnia, <laughs> it is also used, there's, is it used in the this? Hero ad for a pancake-making machine? Mm. That's what Here, Phonarnia Here's is. what I think. Here's what I think. I think we should allow all of our listeners to vote. But let's divide about 49% of the vote into shares and distribute them equally across listeners. So then I am, I have 51% of the vote. <laughs> what percent do I get? <laughs> <laughs> you're just here, Brian. Oh, okay. Zero percent. <laughs> so the listeners oh, you're get distributing 49, my 49%. You zero. <laughs> you're, actually, you're actually not allowed to vote. It's sort of like a recusal because you're the, the administrator of the vote. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that makes no. sense. Conflict of interest. You're like a chairman. Yeah. <laughs> You're the chairman of the vote. If you're just joining us on Stories or Soul Food, <laughs> Nate's been on, uh, you know, a week-long, two-week-long tear. Uh, or so. Or so, about the the bad phone the bumper music. music. The pancake mix hero music at the front of our podcast. <laughs> so you might have heard. It was placed there unbeknownst to me when it could have easily been Bach on the banjo or something like that. Right. And that's how I lost my vote, actually, because I allowed it to proceed. So that this podcast mm -hmm. would happen. So yes, <laughs> that's why you all now get the 49%. <laughs> yes. So none of you get a real meaningful vote, but you can have a, like a placebo vote. Is I think 49% is more than a token no. vote. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Apologies. Welcome to Stories of Soul Food. We're here to talk about writing as career, the career writing. of writers, okay. Nate's career. Storytelling for money. Yeah. Yeah. Can fan. you? <laughs> can one do that? Man, are there specific questions around this or is it just Yeah, absolutely. That? that is really the first one. How does one pursue a career in writing since most, most authors don't do it for a living? Correct. Or do you suggest supplemental writing with other careers? What do your writing habits look like? Mm. You've shared much of, of these things. The hot shower being a key tip. I haven't heard anyone I else. have a new one, which my wife just discovered. She didn't know about this. Uh, she just learned, much to her chagrin, is the use of a Theragun on one's forehead. <laughs> You're like, wait, one of those huge uh, muscle hammers? Yeah. On the your eyebrows and your forehead and your scalp. Wait, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, I did see this because if you follow Andy Wilson Mutters on Instagram, you can see him using and implementing this writing tip. Yep. And then pay me a royalty. You run the Theragun on your eyebrows and your brow and it's really hard to lose focus and fall asleep. Because there's literally a rapid fire gun banging on your head. <laughs> Do you type while shooting shooting this on your I eyebrows? actually have. Yesterday I was. I was, I'm trying to finish up a manuscript right now. I uh, wanted to turn it in last night and did not. Had to do an airport run to Spokane to pick up my son last night. 
who was off on an adventure and needed a ride. It was a great adventure. The Dawn Patrol to Spokane is a feature of life. In, <laughs> yeah. In Moscow, it was late. It was actually late last night. So oh, okay. we, were, we got home at 1 a.m. And I sat down on my desk and thought, <sighs> but uh, when you run the Theragun on your forehead, it definitely makes sleeping harder. It definitely wakes you up a little bit. I've run it on your cheeks, jaw, not as effective. I've done that for an amusing Instagram post only. But forehead, brow especially, there's a bunch of nerve endings in your eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. It'll wake you right up. Okay. And so, yeah, hot showers in the dark, Theraguns on the forehead. <laughs> And yes, I have typed with one hand while running a Theragun on my forehead. <laughs> this has happened. So, are you are you a normal typer? If that sounds like a fun job to you, yeah, then I was going to say we could for... probably end the episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you want a? Do you want employment where you have to do things like that? Then you should try to be a writer. Um, do you think it's bad that writers can't be paid more? No, I think we should probably be paid a little less. Just thin the herd a little bit more. Yeah, because there are so many. So there's a lot of us, but at the same time. It's tough. I mean, it's really, really tough to make it, make it as a writer. I had assumed from the beginning that uh, I would be a teacher and that I would write in, I mean, the, the rhythms of a teaching year are fantastic with the rhythms of being a writer. And so if you aspire to write, that is a great route. That's also employment where you're getting paid to learn and improve. And so if you are a lit teacher and then you're being, you know, paid to read books and to read criticism and to teach books, and there is no better way to learn than to teach. And so my goal, I got my graduate degree with the goal of becoming a teacher and then writing in the, in the gaps, in the rhythm of the year. I'd never thought of anything else because that's what Lewis did. And so I was like, okay, so Lewis was a professor. This is what he did makes sense how to have full-time employment but you're actually not working you know year round you're not you're not working 51 weeks a year you know or even 50 weeks you actually have gaps big enough to write in so that was my theory and it's still i think it's a good one and i encourage people to do that but finding anything that's compatible you know with a side hustle and treating writing like a side hustle is great cuz otherwise you have to you have to shoot the moon. Yeah, you got to get lucky so, with that. You know, if, like, I mean, run the numbers on a typical advance, maybe. Right. Like and even here, like, think about it this way 60 guys get drafted into the NBA every year. And 60. 60. So when you ask people, like, what do you think of playing basketball as a career? You are asking something similar. Like, it is very similar. I, my first ever offer came in. And I was thrilled. It was a major New York house. And they said they were bringing an offer. And I was excited. And then it came. And it was $15,000. I was like, what nonsense is this? <laughs> like, okay. So that just took me how long? You know, how long to put this manuscript together? And then how long till it publishes? And this is the, this is the advance? Yeah, probably two years, right? At yeah. minimum, at the yeah, fastest. This, is like, this has got to straddle two years. And then the uh, editor of Harry Potter jumped in and brought an offer. And I was like, oh, finally, like, okay, let's, and it was $20,000. It's like, what is going on? So some of that's a function of you being new, right? No. Because you don't think so? No, it was not. And now it was the function of them were curious how much they're going to have to compete. 
So those were their starting offers. Now, luckily, by God's grace, a bunch of publishers piled in, you know, and stuff increased and stuff grew and stuff went up and, you know, because I didn't have a teaching job, actually. And so by the time the dust was settling, we're looking at a, you know, we're looking at a couple hundred thousand dollar offer and it's like, okay, this is now. That can now stretch over. Yeah. This is like, okay, I can, this, this can straddle this, this can, and that might sound giant, like, oh, great. And actually back it up. If you, if you comb through the literary trades and you try to find announcements of major deals, meaning six figures and up like people who are getting six figure advances you are thinning the herd down to about the numbers or even smaller than the numbers of those guys making the nba every year right that's with, right. with a much much higher volume of people trying so you have way more people attempting to make it as authors it's the single most sought after career in north america is writing and then you try to thin it down to those major deals and major deals to debut authors. So you're trying right. to break in. So you don't, you're not talking about somebody, you know, we're not, we're not talking about Rick Riordan signs another deal. We're not talking about JK Rowling sells another, you know, another book. We're talking about that first sale. JK yeah. Rowling sold Harry Potter for a hundred grand, $100,000. Like, okay. Is that the whole series or book one? Book one. So book one was a hundred grand North America. Yeah. Now. Okay. So she takes half of that on signing normally, and they're trying to break it into thirds. So you get half of that on signing, half of that on completion. Then that half you get on signing, you carve out a chunk for your agent, probably 15%. And so there goes $7,500 out of your first half. And so now, you know, you're down to 42.5. And then from there, the government says, oh, hey, you have to pay self-employment. And while we exempt royalties, from self-employment tax we actually then exempt authors royalties from the exemption of self-employment do they really yeah so royalties are exempted but then authors royalties are unexempted from the exemption and it's a piece too big of a piece for the government yeah, to leave alone i guess right and now the worst case scenario is when you're you're looking at something like a half a million dollar advance so that half a million dollar advance offer comes in and you, you're super excited because it's like, yay. And then you look at the burden of labor and you say, okay, this is going to buy. Assuming it's a three book series or something yeah, like that. Yeah, this is going to buy three and a half years in my life for half a million dollars. You are already in the elite of the elite of the elite in order to receive a half a million dollar offer. And the first time I really was penciling through that, and looking at, okay, what would I have to do? And over what kind of time would I have to do it? And, you know, and breaking it all down. And don't forget, you're going to get a chunk of this money, you know, a big chunk of this money now. And it's going to move you up a tax bracket in this year. But it's actually the revenue that you have to live off of over multiple years. But the government's going to come take a maximum bite out of it. Because, because it treated, treats it Because it's if. all arriving in one tax year. So it's all arriving in one tax year, but you have to live off of it over multiple tax years. And so making it as an author uh, is not easy. It is not easy to get an agent. It is not easy to get, if you don't have multiple New York houses interested, you're going to be getting paid. Your advance is going to be like five to $10,000. If you have competition, 
you know, if there, if there's competition around it, you could get it up there. If you get all the way to a major deal and I was blissfully unaware of all this. So my first deal was a couple hundred thousand dollars and I was thrilled. And then I got curb stomped by the government. I, I mean, <laughs> oh, no. I had my teeth kicked in. Like my wife and I were like, oh, thank God we, we can. Did you kind of feel like, hey, we made it? <laughs> yeah, I feel like, whew, like, yeah. phew, like I can pay the bills to do this. Right. Like my kids are going to eat. They're going to go to school and I can make a living. And this is, I can make a good living doing this. And then we went and met with an accountant and because we were like, man, how do we have to, there's, there's got to be tricks to this. There's got to be ways this can be handled or not handled. And we, before we took the money, we paid for a consultancy and then still got hammered. And afterwards he was like, oh, I'm sorry about that. You should have, here's what you should have done. It's like, oh, you dummy. We paid you to tell us what we should have done. And we uh, didn't the, do it. The hindsight consultancy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. But once you've structured something incorrectly, you know, once you've structured things incorrectly, it's, you can't go restructure it. You have to be in an LLC. You have to have your corporation. Form. Yeah. I was going to ask, is that the specific ones? You've got yeah, to have it depends on which state you're in. It really depends on what state oh, okay. you're in, but it's, you've got to be ahead of the curve. You got to be figuring it out. So, I mean, it took, you know, it's, it's brutal. And I was extremely grateful to get a, a quote unquote, what the trades call a major deal as a debut author, because debut authors do not pull in those deals very, very often. It made me like one of the 60 guys who made the NBA. And then you discover how hard it is to actually succeed. Most of those 60 guys. Succeeding in the NBA is right. much, much harder than making it. And that's the shocking bummer of it all. You know, you battle and you battle and you battle and you got drafted. It's draft day. You're drafted in the NBA. You made it. Well, everybody else thinks you did. Yeah. And so unfortunately, I watch a lot of authors pretend like they did. It's really important that they have to maintain the perception of they made it. They know how brutal it is and how they've not gotten the attention or the promotion or the sales that they want, but they still like put on a show for the common man. They still go back to their old high school as that NBA draft player, you know, and and sign a bunch of a bunch of autographs and act like they've succeeded. So, it is really really difficult. And I am incredibly grateful, so maybe I should just shut up, but I'm incredibly grateful that I didn't know how difficult it was, that I just blissfully waded in and God got us this, you know, brought us this fat deal at the outset and I got to work and bills were getting paid and then I got bigger deals and more deals and now I have, you know, I'm working on my 13th novel. And I've kind of figured it out a little bit more. I figured out how to do this, but you also have that much intellectual property pulling royalties. And so it's a much stronger base. Right. Trying to make a living with a book is much, much harder than trying to make a living with a dozen books and books across multiple markets and books that have gone into TV shows and books that have done you know, yeah. lots of different things. You're pulling royalties across lots of different titles. And it's a much better situation to be in. So, but it takes a minute, you know. Well, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can't start with the dozen novels. <laughs> and what I would encourage people to do is, and I have encouraged people to go full time, and we need to get Sam Smith, SD Smith on this podcast. But when he was writing uh, his first book, and I kept telling him, you know, pull the cord, quit your job, do this, like, do it. I was saying that based off of his model. 
and his uh, following. You know, he ha- his book was resonating with people and it was going. And because he wasn't trying to get an advance, because he was a publisher, you know, he was publishing his own book and he was taking a publisher's cut of his own book, not a, you know, not a royalty cut. Yeah, I was really banging the drum telling Sam, do it, do it, do it. Go be a writer, be a full-time writer, be a full-time writer. And he's made that leap and he's, you know, done very, very well, you know, building out the whole world around what my kids call the bunny books. And it's um, rabbits with swords. Yeah, rabbits with swords. Great brand, great marketing, big following. You know, Sam's done super well. And so what, but what he's accomplished and what he's built is incredibly difficult. It was not chocolate pie. You know, he's very, very grateful for it. He's been blessed. But at the same time, man, he has labored. He has worked. Didn't you tell me about another friend of yours who jumped in a van for a a year or whatever to get his his stuff going? Yeah, functionally drove the drove the US in a van peddling his own novels for a year before he built up enough of a following to actually, you know, land an advance that he could live off of. Which you can't do if you have a family. <laughs> no. Right. So you gotta and get in early. It's incredible. And so everybody thinks if you're in the NBA, you're a millionaire. Everybody thinks that if you have you know, if you're published with a big New York house, you must have a ton of money. It's like, well, anybody around the industry knows that's not the case. Most books are, we're talking about, you know, earning less than $5,000. And that's, that's because most books don't sell. And so you do have books like I've referred to Wonder before. You do have books like Wonder, which pulled in a small advance and had a small initial print run. At least that's what I've been told. And then just exploded on the mommy blogs and became enormous. And you know, just blew up. You do have Harry Potter sold for a hundred grand and Scholastic refused to buy books two and three. They were like, well, we're going to see how this one goes. (laughs) And then we're just going to pay you for this one. And then we'll see. And that was the biggest mistake of their lives because if they- Did she sell to someone else? No. Oh, but then they had to pay her for books Yeah, if they had paid her a hundred grand each, she would have taken it. Yeah. And instead, I think her, her last book, they had to pay her 42 million. Uh, was the advance. <laughs> yeah. Talev talks about those industries where the 1%, you know, the, you know, yeah. that's the, the black swan right. model of. And so you go to the top, when you go the top, 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 I think I've said this before, but I, I've been told that uh, only about nine books sell a million copies every year, you know, fewer than 10. And it's just because everyone puts New York Times bestseller on their list, but yeah, that doesn't mean anything. It, it means that you moved enough units through the right cash registers in a given week. Yeah, in a week, you just had to yep. you just had to time the week right. Yep. In order to make and sure, depending on the market, yeah, that could be five thousand units in a week, or that could be fifteen thousand yeah. units in a week, or you could have exploded. But you know, everybody wants to say that New York Times bestseller tag, but it's it's actually pretty meaningless. Yeah, it becomes a game. I uh, mean, 100%, or, it becomes something you can purchase. And when you're trying to, the other thing is every writer overwhelmingly wants to be an artist. They want to create stuff. They want to create stuff they love and put it out into the world. And then they want other people to love it. You know, they want it to work. But people are drawn to writing because they love to craft. They love the idea of crafting stuff and being an artist. That is so much easier to do as a side hustle, as a hobbyist. Right. Right than it is when your bills are paid 
than it is to say, and okay, you're now in the deep end of the pool. You may not touch the sides. How, <laughs> Survive. Long, how long can you tread Survive water? off of your words. Pay for your kids schooling with your words. Pay for their college. You know, it's like accomplish all these things. Then it's really competitive. It's really rugged. And you have to learn a lot about marketing and positioning. And, you know, it's, it becomes rapid. So right. I would all say the, to answer yeah. the question, to loop back and say, what's the first thing you need to do? Well, you need to control what you can control, which is your craft. So to start with, you need to make your craft as good as it can possibly be. And you need to think in terms of being better than everything else that's out there. Oh, just that. Yeah. <laughs> and unlike the NBA, where players retire in writing, players never retire. You are going into the marketplace with Tolkien and Lewis. You're going up against Harry Potter. You're out there with Percy Jackson. You're wading into the marketplace with Stephen King and Grisham and Tom Clancy and all of these people who are using, like, just. Well, you're leaving up. out Patterson. And yeah. His oh, yeah. Forget that. Pat Patterson and and everybody else who all the beach reads, all the lake house beach reads. And then if you're going into you know YA, you're going out with every major seller of of the history of the English language. So you're out there swimming against Mark Twain, who yeah, still like, pulls in. A yeah, he still pulls in a few sales. <laughs> Quite <laughs> so, a few. And so. You know, it's like Michael Jordan might have retired, but none of the great writers do ever. Mm. They're all there. And readership is down. Reader numbers are down. And all the great books are still just sitting there. And you're, you know, you're arriving on the scene. So get as good as you can get. You focus on your craft. You have to just focus on becoming cream. Cream rises and cream yeah. will find a way to rise. And I have a lot of friends in publishing and a lot of friends in publishing success. And of those friends in publishing success, not one of them has the same story. Mm. But all of them did focus on craft. And there's, they're on a, they exist on a sliding scale of ability, but they all did put their heads down and grind on getting as good as they can. And some people never get that great at prose, but they get really good at the business side of it. Patterson would be our Nicholas Sparks. Sparks. Patterson, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think the, the story of Sparks was he didn't want to be a lawyer anymore, I believe. Uh, this is the one I've been told. And so he just assessed the marketplace and thought, man, there's room in the market for romance novels written by a man. Mm -hmm. I think women would rather read a romance novel written by a man. And they did turned out he was correct <laughs> he was correct so i would say he's you know market analysis and insight other guys are really good at you know publicity promotion other guys are really good at business operations and so they they build out their own self-publishing operation to get bigger, bigger margins and yeah we, and uh, there's a lot of that and there's so much variation but they all put their heads down and work at getting excellent at pursuing excellence in some area and so if you want to write professionally that's what you need to do so that's good advice for anything, anything. Yeah. Yeah. And get as good as you can. And when you are confident that you are better than what is out there and that people, millions of people would like to read what you have written, then you start knocking on doors. Mm. Otherwise you're looking for a, you know, a gold sticker, a vanity sticker. 
Right. It's like it's about you wanting to have made it as opposed to you wanting to have created something that will benefit everyone. Would you, if you were starting out as a writer now, would you go the self-publishing route? Or would you, how, what would you change as someone starting, you know, 15 years later? I know, well, I know if I was the same person, I would do exactly what I did. I would just, okay, I would go yeah. bang on the New York doors and, you know, and figure it out. But then given that I did that and learned all those lessons, I'm more inclined to self-publishing now, but also then not, you know. Right. You know, I know what, I know what that takes. I know what goes into it. And so if I'm sitting here looking at a, you know, a six figure advance from a New York house versus all this work that I can pursue to, you know, sell fewer, but make more, I've always been more motivated by bigger numbers in terms of readership, even if that means a smaller percentage in terms of profit. So I would rather have a million people read my book and make a little bit less than sell fewer, but make more. Mm. Yeah. Uh, do you think that... Uh, and New York can still reach farther than I can. Right. So, And is that because you would rather spend your time on other things? Yep. Rather than the whole public. Then, rather than, yeah. Because I, I know what is involved. Right. That's a big part of, you know, Cannonball. We do, we publish for love of books really as yeah. we're developing this brand and that does seem what you're saying is you have to want to do this yeah <laughs> you have to want to and the long-term goal i would love to publish a cannonball i'd love you know that's why i'm involved at canon that's why we did it it's because yeah. i want there to be an infrastructure that exists but we're years into that yeah it's a it's a building we're, process yeah we're yeah. years into it and i'm still you know this coming up soon i'll be you know attempting my first publication with canon to nope. just to just news. see <laughs> yeah news there's a little bit of news we'll talk more about that later when it's more concrete but that's gonna be a really interesting experiment yeah like okay are we there yet you know can i reach as far through this infrastructure based out of idaho as i can through the infrastructure in new york or nashville yeah and the reason you know when when you started canon or, or cannonball and, yeah. and and brought all of us on and we all joined in that's kind of the bet we're making Yep. Is that we think long term we have to have our own little Death Star. Long term. <laughs> and actually Moscow, I think Idaho is another New York City, LA, except not lame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the in terms of the reading the narrative and reading the scene and the world that we're in, investing heavily in building canon and making canon a thing with reach and the ability to to develop, publish, and then promote, fulfill is basically looking around and saying, man, we need our own pirate ship. We have to, like, we need a pirate ship. And out there, very, very soon, I am not going to be allowed to captain a, a ship in the British Royal Navy. I'm going to be thoroughly canceled. I'm going to be John be, Paul Jones level. <laughs> yeah, but we have to have our own fleet, our own ships. And so that's where I'm investing. And I've not, I've not published fiction with New York in you know, a few years. And right. I was on like a one a year rhythm there for a while. I am, you know, using the team at Cannonball. I am publishing Ashtown 4 in serial with Cannonball. It's like, this is what yeah. we're, this is what we're doing. So I am pivoting everything this direction because I don't know how much longer I will be kosher. 
in New York. And my expectation is that I won't be. I, I, there's already ways in which, you know, my books have been, we've talked about some of that. My books have been dropped or sabotaged or marketing canceled. Like that's already the case, but it's going to be more and more the case. And so I, I really do want that independence and I want the ability to go into 20 languages and take it around the world without having to operate out of Babylon functionally. Yeah. Across the industry, you see the same thing happening with how magazines are no longer controlled yep. by the single publisher, how translation rights become easier and easier with the world of yep. apps. Um, it's, it's fascinating. To it be really is. In it's really interesting. And I think that physical publishing is not dead. And I think that like, just like the theaters aren't dead, they might seem dead, but they're not dead. However, there will be nowhere near as many movies in them. There will be nowhere near as many physical books printed. There are already way more digital books published. You know, people just, you know, kicking out because there's no overhead. There's no anything. And you can just have a Kindle edition as two bucks and, you know, try to get all your friends to push it. And, and right. some people have succeeded there. But the fact that the marketplace has gone digital, I think, has made the physical marketplace that much more valuable and has thinned that herd so significantly that it will be to our advantage in the long run. I, and also, I think what you, we come back to, if the book is good, then people will know it when we do our job yeah. right. And that that's something, you know, that doesn't always work out. Sometimes God's the one who's, you know, <laughs> who's the one yep. who notices that your work is great. But there is that proverb. Yep. If you're faithful in the little things, you know, You'll stand, you'll stand before kings. Well, you'll be faithful with much, but if right. you're, he who's excellent in his work will stand before there you kings. Go. I'm, I'm but I like up. the, I like the hybridization. He who's <laughs> faithful in little things will stand before kings. He who's excellent in his work will be faithful with much. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, those work. Those, those, yeah, it still kind of works, but it is, it is very, very interesting right now. And I think that for people who are setting out to be writers, be if you're called to be a writer. Focus on getting as good as you possibly can. And as the industry changes, like people will still want the best stuff. They still will. And somehow there, there will be a model. There will be a delivery system. There will be a model to deliver the best stuff. Get good and people will want it. That's all you can really focus on right now. And the industry is going to continue to change. It's going to change rapidly. And I do think long run, it's going to change to our benefit. So, yeah. and I'm I kind of leaning the, in the sense of Idaho outlaw. Is that what you yeah, mean? Or, or Christian or what? Physical publishing in terms of ours, in terms of Canon Cannibal. Right. Uh, I do think the, the sub market, I think Christian readership, I think that kind of stuff will benefit as well. But with the silent bells with Ashtown four pushing into printing physical newspapers, like who's doing that? That's fun. I love that. It's, like who is doing that? And I really wanted to do it because nobody's doing that. Yeah, well, you can't with that idea. You know, that's Dickens from yeah. 200 years ago. Very fun. But no one is doing it. And so the idea of putting a physical newspaper in the hands of kids, which they can be excited about getting in the mail and opening up and reading, like that experience is now rare instead of glutted. And physical books are getting rarer instead of, uh, instead of the glut that we see. And so the smart publishers and content creators are investing heavily in the artifact of the book. Right. That's why at Cannonball, we still are doing, it'd be cheaper to do paperback, right. but we're doing the hardback runs with the yep. foil on the front because- yep. Because you want to create a physical artifact that has a tactile experience. And we think it's worth it. Yeah. 
for the reader. You want it to be a thing that will that will last. I want to talk to Joe Sutphin about Little Pilgrim's Progress at some point because that that's, book looks so. That's good. an example of like just an awesome investment into the physical artifact of this book, and that's where the value is going to be. So that just came out from Moody, I think. Moody, yeah. yeah. Well done, Moody. Kudos to Moody for yeah, doing no that, kidding. and also to Joe and for looking at all the print quality and the way they yep. chose what inks they do and how to make that digital art show up on a page as if it were not yep. printed digitally. I mean, that's very cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So anyway, if you want to make a living as a writer, get another job. Make yeah. sure you can pay the bills and yeah. work really, really hard. Because the fact is, if you have another job, scoring 20 grand or 50 grand off of a book can be pretty exciting. You're like, wow, windfall. I can, you know, take my family on a vacation and invest some money in something. Rather than making 20 grand and not having a job right. and having to quit. So yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> so it's great to try to protect it with other income. For you who are moms and wives, it can be a very different approach. It can be, you know, you have to work it in around motherhood. But the nice thing is you don't, you have a ton of work to thread writing around and through, but you don't have the same burden. If your husband's actually doing his job, you don't have the same burden financially where this book must sell this much. Yeah. And getting yourself into that position where like, I'm writing a story and it has to make $100,000. And if it right. doesn't make $100,000, I'm going broke. That right. Is Our women writers are so, you know, they're dedicated and generous and excited about everything they're doing. And yeah. I think some of that plays into it because yeah. they are doing it for they're free. Love. They're liberated. Yeah. They're liberated to do it out of love for the reader and love for the craft. Yeah. That because they're, they're not having to be just as piratical and commercial as I have to be. Right. Not you know? that our men writers. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, there is a crassness. There is a commercial crassness to what I have to do sometimes. Yeah. Where it's just, you know, ultimately I'm writing what I want to write, but there are times when you're looking around saying, man, I have to, I have to sell something. There are I times to... when you look around and get out the Theragun because. Yeah. So when I'm paying for a bunch of weddings, you know, I've got three daughters. When that starts happening, I guarantee you I'll be like, well, I should probably write a novel. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be motivated like a total mercenary. Yeah. Well, to... you, you started to touch on this, but what about people who aren't planning on writing? They're just readers. They're the rest of our rest of our podcast yeah. audience. How should they be thinking about this? like the industry or their author friends or aspiring authors around them. This is interesting. I would say, A, you are a writer still, just you're writing your life. So write a good life. You know, it's like you're still writing a life story and you're still creating childhoods and you're still creating character decisions and everything you do. So start there. But then as just a consumer of stories, like honor the good stuff, turn your back on the crap, do us all a favor and stop reading crap and try to find quality. Like try to push yourself to find quality. And when you find that quality, support those people. Buy the physical edition. Yeah. Uh, Review I still, it. I'm the Review guy, it wherever you can. I still buy albums. I will go buy Wait, an album. CDs we're talking about? I'd, yeah, if I could. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, I will go pay for an album. I will not pay for a Spotify service. Like, okay. I will go, you know, pre-order an album. I'll pay for an album. I, and it's very, very rare that people do that because I know what it's like for, you know, the band on the other side, you know, where people are, de their product has been devalued rapidly 
such that people think they owe you nothing for the pleasure to listen to your work. Right. You put in all this work and I should be able to listen to it for free. You know, watching my first film get pirated and watching millions of views rack up on a pirated copy is a really, really interesting sensation. That hurts. Yeah, I, I was kind of excited because they had subtitled it in Arabic. And I was like, this is weird. But it's, <laughs> at the same time, I was like, man, like millions and millions of views on this thing. and like, And somebody else was even pulling the ad revenue off of YouTube. They had it on YouTube. And YouTube's paying them the ad revenue. <laughs> and yeah, it was just, it was just weird. Oh, um, well, I thought of another one. Don't lie to your aspiring author friends. That's what I Oh find. gosh. Yeah. That's what I was going to get. I was actually glad you reminded me because that was the first thing that jumped in my mind and I thought that's indelicate. I'll wait till <laughs> I can think of how to say this more delicately. <laughs> Tell your writer friends the truth about how much their writing sucks. Yeah. You're not ready for showtime, Betty. <laughs> Like that's a nice way of saying it with you know, Betty and everything. Yeah. Like this is, this is fun. Good try. Keep after it. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is, if they're going to do this professionally, they a have to have a thick skin and B have to be better. They have to actually stand out and be phenomenally good. Right. And if they get a bunch of false affirmation from their friends, they could end up place, placing enormous bets, enormous financial bets based on that false data that will cost them a lot. So yeah, it seems like we'll hear from folks who just say, I can't get anyone to tell me anything about my manuscript. And right. I always know that's a sign that it's bad. Yeah. But they just need someone who loves them to tell them, yeah. hey, this is just not fun to read. Yep. I, I was not interested in this. This is not that great. Put it away. Try another one. Kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, and most of them are. So tell the truth. But when you find stuff that's good, support them. You know, buy the buy the physical books. Tell your friends about the physical books. Promote. Yeah, the physical I can't books. tell you how many Cannonball people will buy from us instead of Amazon just yeah. because of that reason. And and yep. you know, which we appreciate very yeah. very much. So that kind of support's fantastic. But then we do need more writers. We need more storytellers, and that means we need more. We need them to meet more resistance. Yeah. Early. Yeah, we're looking forward. Where we look for talent. Resistance so. makes you better. Yeah. So. Criticism is your friend. Resistance makes you better. You don't want to just affirmation in every little thing you say and do because you know you're being lied to. Yeah. So it's really hard. Get another job. Work to make your craft as excellent as you can. Find friends who tell you the truth. And best of luck because we do, we do need more writers out there generating really good stuff. Right. So go fight win. How's that for, is that like a depression session? Was that a depression session? Are we... I hope not. I think everybody... Should we, put, should we put the faux Narnia violins on now and get it inspirational <laughs> at the end? I feel like writing a story or making pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Pancake Mix Hero commercial that shares our podcast music. Yeah, so I mean, really go fight win, but do it because you love it and do it because you feel called to do it and don't let your own vanity be wrapped up in it. I mean, meaning grind, grind on it to make it excellent. And when other people point out where it's not excellent, don't have your feelings hurt. Right. Because that means it's too much about you. You know, when they, when they point out some inadequacy, you should be relieved and thrilled. Like, oh, thank God. Somebody showed me that. I can fix it now. Yeah. Because writing's different. It's not like some NBA guy says, you can only jump 10 inches. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be able to jump. You need to be able to jump very high. Very high. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yes. And the nice thing is there's objectivity in sports where you shoot this percentage from the three-point line. You shoot this percentage from the floor. It just is what it is. You've made this many shots. But when we get to art, everybody becomes a relativist really quickly when they don't want to tell their friend the truth. Instead of just saying, yeah, I think you missed. They say, well, it's just not my, I don't like, I don't read fantasy really. So I, you know, and they just find all sorts of excuses to not say the true thing. So tell the truth to each other and go fight, win one on that. Go fight, win, do it. We need more. If you enjoyed this episode, check out Indy Wilson's school of fantastical wordcraft for aspiring writers and word pirates. DVD available at canonpress.com.